0: Hello everybody, welcome to TL's Roadhouse On the couch, Connor Smith What's up man? Good to see you man Happy to be here. Looking forward to getting to know you a little bit, man. I know. This will be fun. I'm
1: on on, on your bus, and I'm honored to be here. So. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having
0: us. So, uh, uh, you know, it seems like there's a new trend of people uh, that are in the music business that are actually from the Nashville or greater Nashville area, man. Hey,
1: we're coming up, dude. It's, it's fun to see. We had we got Mitchell. We got Ernest. We got Jelly Roll. Uh, and then we got me. And, and it's funny. We're kind of a little community, like especially Aaron and, and, and Jelly Roll. They kind of got my back. and. What we'll kind of you know? I feel like those two guys would fight fight for me just because I'm from Nashville. So it's cool to have the six one five boys winning right That's now. That's
0: pretty cool, man. I
1: felt like I felt like we had like for about a decade.
0: Everybody was from Georgia. Yeah, we've had our turn with that, man. Yeah, Before that, it was from Texas. I know when I first started, man, my piano player was originally from Nashville. His first road gig was with George Jones when he was 19. And then my lead guitar, Darren Favorite. I don't know if you know Darren. Darren played with me for a long time. Darren's a Nashville native. So there's a few guys floating around, man. Yeah, man,
1: I I think, uh, you know, for me, so much of my story is just growing up in Nashville. I was around the creativity of this town. Yeah, And I learned so early that you could write songs for a living. And I was like, well.
0: I want to do that. You know what I mean? So, so what's your family background? I know you're from Brentwood. What your mom and dad do? Yes,
1: yeah, so I grew. I was born in Chattanooga, and all my family's from there. And then we moved to Nashville when I was about five. My dad works in healthcare, so we just moved up here. And then my mom uh, works as worked at a TV as a TV reporter. So she got a, a job at the Channel Four station here in Nashville, and loved country music. So she would kind of raise her hand for all the uh, country music gigs, you know, the red carpets and the number one parties and all that. And uh, so I would start going going around to uh, to, to the number one parties and, and, and different things with her. And she was interviewing a lot of songwriters. So she'd interview Craig Wiseman or Neil Thrasher or Kelly yeah. Loveless or Rivers Rutherford, you know, these massive songwriters. And uh, so I would go with her and I would watch the long-form interviews. So it's two hours of Craig Wiseman talking about how he wrote, you know, uh, Live Like You Were Dying, you know, or There Goes My Life for Neil or... Um, so all those so I would just I soaked it up, man. I'm six, seven years old at the time. And uh it was it was immediately I started writing songs, started taking guitar lessons
0: and from the age of eight, you could have asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have told you a songwriter. That's really awesome, man. To to know and identify that at a young age is very rare, man. It is,
1: man. It's such a such a leg up. And it's funny, you know, everybody says Nashville's a ten year town. It's like what I started writing songs at 16, I signed my publishing deal at 16. I started writing songs at 6, signed my publishing deal at 16. No kidding, man. And so it kind of maps out to 10 years.
0: So so, uh, how did you learn structure? Did you just kind of decipher uh, things that you heard on the radio and, and things that, did you write them down and break them up in, into categories? I mean, how did you learn structure?
1: I don't know, man. I, I always feel like my story is one of uh, having a, a God-given ability to do something but then put, put in the perfect environment to foster it. So there was always some sort of concept of, of, of structure, of a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus, a bridge.
0: Did you do poetry too with the no, right, right verse without music? Not really. It was
1: all just, and, and I didn't know how to play guitar at the time, so I would just strum that thing and it sounded like gold. <laughs> um, but, you know, I signed to BMI when I was nine years old. And um, it's just this crazy story. Claire Bradley heard a story about me, asked me to come in. Um, and, he and, you know, he's the head of BMI now, but, but he was kind of the head of Artist Relationships. At the time, I came in, I played uh, three songs for him. And he said, he said, Connor, these songs are better than half the people we have signed here. And well, they, you were nine. Nine years old. And, and there was nothing about these songs that were good or that, you know, whatever get cut by any means, but they had structure. And I knew, you could tell I knew something, what I was doing. And so uh, it was little moments like that, that, that really kind of, because at nine years old, you get signed to BMI, which anybody in this room could go get signed to BMI right now. Uh, but as a nine-year-old, I'm like I that's made, pretty I made it amazing. You know what I mean? And, and so, it's little moments like that that you know really stamped this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Wow,
0: that's fascinating to me. Um, so, you picked up the guitar and and your single digits, man, six or seven years old, started doing all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I started playing about seven. We had a guy come over to the house and take guitar lessons with my older brother, um, and I always tried to get real good at guitar, um, and and I'm I'm good enough, you know. I could I could impress uh, the average person. I probably couldn't impress you with my guitar ability, uh, but every time I just I tried to like learn how to you know do the scales, whatever. I just started writing a song, so I just mastered about ten chords, got a capo, and just
0: called it a day. That's not a bad way <laughs> no, to go, man. So that's kind of it's kind of my story. So what was uh, what was one of the titles of those first three songs? I want I want to hear one of the titles. Uh, all right, so we had
1: uh, one of the first songs that I, I started playing out. I, I, you know Puckets and Leapers Fort? Yeah. That's where I started. So we would go there for Thursday night open mics. Um, ever since I was seven, we would, we would after school, uh, went to school down in Franklin, Cool Springs area, and then we would drive out to Puckets on Thursday nights and go play. And uh, one of the first songs I started playing out was a song called Small Town Big Dream Boy. Um, and it was like, I know a boy lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He always had a bigger dream. Baseball player, football star, everybody said he was going to go far. He was a small town, big dream boy. There ain't nothing wrong with that. He always had a bigger dream for his life. And everybody knew and everybody said he was a small town, big dream boy. So that was like the first song I started playing. I was you know, seven, eight. Um, but then a lot of it, I started playing in church, so a lot of it was worship songs. Yeah. I really thought till about 13, I would, you know, write worship songs and be a Christian artist. Um, and really what that was, was I wasn't bold enough to write a love song yet. So I just wrote love songs to Jesus. Um, and so about 13, I wrote my first love song for a girl. And that, that's
0: where it all switched. Wow. So how do you how, how do you build your imagery in? You know, do you close your eyes, do you visualize? I mean, I, there's there everybody's got different ways. I mean. Yeah,
1: that's a good question. I never thought about it. Um uh, what's always drawn me to country music is its story. You know what I mean? It is you can say something in a song that you that you can't say in conversation in a, in country music. And um I think as songwriters we, we just have a way of viewing the world that's a little bit different. And um, it's just the little nuances. It's, you know, any sort of creative, any sort of poet or, or writer, I, th- I think you try to look for the things that are so relatable, yet they're never said. And so um, I- I've always felt this level of, of depth to kind of the way I viewed the world. And I've always tried to put that in my music. And so that's where, as I become an artist and I look at who do I want to be as an artist, um, I-, I try to be intentional that every song says something. It means something, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, have you have you studied guys like uh like Christofferson and Dylan to, to look at how they totally. put things together? You know, because I, I mean that's it's fascinating that a guy like Chris Chris wrote some amazing things and they were all from life experience, man. I mean he he kinda got down and wallowed in the word. Totally.
1: Man. He did. Totally. And a hundred percent. I mean, I am just a student of, of songwriters and you know, Tom Douglas's or um or Bobby Braddock, you know, these guys that were, they were just true poets, and it was such a different formula, and I feel convicted as a songwriter sometimes of the way we write songs now it has become so formulaic. It's so
0: 11 to 3, 11 to 4. It's almost predictable, and, and trying to step out of that and, and get to that next level where you break away from the predictability as well.
1: Totally, and and, and and putting true grit and depth back into songs, and as a human, you know, uh, I I try to do that without necessarily having to go, uh, you know, because Chris Doverson was writing about l- real stuff he was dealing
0: with. Oh, like you know? Sunday morning coming down. I mean, he's I mean, he's he's in it totally. And, in it.
1: and so I I I have this you know battle of like, you know, not battle, but you know, there's a thought of like, how do you, how do you write from a place of death like that, but also stay on the
0: straight and narrow when you're out on the road and you know live your life the right way in a, in a certain sense. You know what I'm saying? You know. Uh, uh, I remember the first time that I got a chance to write with Dean Dillon. Dean Dillon, I mean, he's so intimidating a guy because I I grew up such a huge fan of straight, and, you know, that body of of early straight songs, a lot of that was Dean Dillon, you know? All of it. And, uh, uh... it it seemed like after he got sober and straightened up, it took him a little bit to find that grit back. Totally, because it's it's easier to write about heartbreak when your heart's broke, and when you're happy, you don't tend to write those things as 100%. much. So, being able to channel that stuff at will is a craft in itself.
1: It, it's it's such a it's such a mystery. Um, I heard uh, I heard a really beautiful song, and it was. Um, it was this guy named Benjamin Hastings, just a brilliant songwriter. And he, he put out this album and, uh, one of the songs on it was called a message to my wife. It was a minute and a half song, but one of the lines in it says, I don't know how to is basically saying in the song, he goes, I don't know how to justifiably write a song about you because you're the best kind of boring. And I thought as a songwriter it was so brilliant where he's talking about our relationship is so healthy and it's so good and like you're the best wife and best mom. I don't know how to, you know, perfectly write a song about you that's appealing because I do think that a lot of uh, songwriters and great artists are tortured souls in in a certain sense and so, um, you'll see that a lot in in country music and definitely back in the day with with, with some of those guys, it's like, drawing from, I I was listening to a John Mayer interview recently where he talked about a lot of his great songs came from places of heartbreak and he was saying, I would have, I would have I would take those songs away to not have to walk through what I walked through.
0: And I think that that's uh that's true yeah, in a lot of times. But the journey of the tortured soul, man. Uh, there's something to be said about it, you know. It's kind of like uh, the dichotomy of of a, of a comedian, you know, that goes out there and, and strives so totally. hard to entertain people, but is so tortured on the other side. 100%.
1: There's
0: there, there's a lot of heartache that goes along with it. You know, I, I've heard s- stories about Sonny Throck Morton, man. And, you know, he'd write all those hits, and he had gold and platinum records all over the house, and he'd just get blistered drunk and shoot up the records in his house. He had bullet holes all in his house. Just the <laughs> just the that circle around totally. a lot of... I've lived through it. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, I mean,
1: we've all been through it in a yeah. certain sense. And I think part of that, too, is the high of being on a stage, the higher performing... It's addictive. It's so addictive, and it's, you can't explain it. No. There's there's nothing that you can manufacture off, off of that stage that reaches that level. And so there's always going to be... And I'm, I try to be really mindful of it. There's always going to be a certain come down after you get off stage. and I think that's where a lot of people... Will trip up is in this idea of when they get off a of stage and they come down the after show and they're just looking for the next buzz and next rush, um, because like I don't know if as humans we're necessarily designed to be worshipped in that way uh, that you are on a stage and and so it is I think that's part of the beauty of the job of like we get to put our honest truth into art that people can like that can truly change someone's life and change someone's day um, and in that there's great highs and there's great lows and i think that's the beauty of why we're here on earth you know
0: to write songs and and to get to perform those and, and do something that matters it's uh what is the band there's a rock and roll band uh gosh, what's that band that i like so much uh there there was a uh, a concert that they did at hellfest where they're circling what's disturbed uh, dis- uh, no not disturbed the other band uh, Lamb of God? No, uh, Lint Biscuit. Lint Biscuit. Have you seen the video of Lint Biscuit? <laughs> no. So, so, Fred Durst is on stage. You know, that's, I, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's yep. just one of those days you don't want to wake up. Yep. You know, and there's this mosh pit that starts circling. There's probably 100,000 people in this place. And it it actually looks terrifying. It starts to swirl like it's got a life of its own. To be able to stand on stage and have the power where you can make people do anything you want them to do. Totally. Is a terrifying thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that, they're the ones that pushed Woodstock 99 over yeah. their heads. They got blamed for all that stuff, too. Yeah. Being able to have that much control is a terrifying thing. I've tasted it to some degree. I'm, I've had full arenas full of people jump up and down on one leg. 100%. Just stupid stuff, just to see if I could oh, really? but But it's, it's being able to come down after that and find perspective of it uh, and be able to keep it in check and balance is a really hard thing to do. I always say, man, the image I always
1: kind of put in my head is when you're on stage and people hold up their hands in the in the in kind of the pit or the front, and you reach down to touch them, and they scream when you touch them, I that's what they did for Jesus. Yeah. You know, he would walk through the village, and they would just try to get a touch of him, and it's like, we're not designed to, you know, we're no different. We put on our, our britches the same way, and um, there's a lot of power in that, but also at the same time, if you use that power for good and...
0: And, uh, I don't think I've ever told anybody this. Uh, it was probably it was the early '90s, and my career was really rocking. And I remember I was I was on the phone with my mother, and I told her I said I understand how Jesus felt, <laughs> and she said, "What do you mean? You think you're as good as Jesus?" And I said, "No, mom, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I mean being able to have uh-huh. the power of being able to move a mass amount of people uh-huh. at one time, and it's a, it's a, it's." A, Pretty powerful thing.
1: One thing I've in in the in the uh, relationship to kind of
0: Jesus in this industry.
1: One thing I've uh, really tried because I feel like this business is such a stressful thing in terms of the idea of momentum. Well, it's idolatry. It is. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. You know, you are you are getting glorified. You are getting worshiped. You you walk out and you got twenty thousand people screaming because you're they're in the same room as you. Is yeah. what it is. Um, but on the terms of like. Uh, this business is so centered around momentum and it's so centered around like if you got momentum, you got to go all in and you got to do everything. And and it gets so much pressure on an artist. You know, I went from, I signed my poster at 16. I signed my record deal at 18. I put out songs when I was 20. Well, for four years in there to be a professional songwriter. And then overnight I had like five new jobs where I became an artist, I became a performer, I had to go on a radio tour, I had to build relationships with radio, I had to do media, I had to do press, I had to, you know, amp up my social media, I had to, enter like, all these things, what started as, I just love writing songs and telling stories, became something so much bigger, I'm, I'm running a multi-million dollar organization now, you know, with just money that gets invested you know, as a new artist on a record label, I haven't had my first hit yet, and so... You know, you 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 learn to, to deal with all those things, and I I think you put so much pressure on yourself of building it and making the right decisions and putting out the right songs at the right times, and you put out the best song ever, and then people forgot about it three weeks later. So now we need to come. And one thing I I I see in scriptures where Jesus was so unmoved by momentum, where he would go have a uh, a gathering where you know twelve thousand people would show up. He would go to the next town, and he'd have twenty thousand people, and he would just leave them there and walk away and go in the woods and stay there for a week. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I, I just feel like that idea just kind of takes so much weight off me because someone told me really early on, and it might have been Thomas Red because he's been a massive mentor for me. But he said, "What the Lord provides, you don't have to sustain." And I think that's such a that's such a that's taking such a weight off me um, as I'm a new artist and twenty two and trying to figure out how to build a career and and make this dream I've had since six years old uh, become uh, something that will hopefully provide for my kids one day um, to understand, like, hey, I just got to do what I do great, and that's write songs and that's, you know, perform.
0: Yeah, and and not get so caught up in all the other things because there is this, this facade that comes – And then you get encircled by the publicists and the managers and all the stuff. There gets this thing that swirls around. You got to maintain relationships with the people you grew up with, with family. You got to have all these pieces in place. How do how do you ground? Yeah, I mean that's an ever evolving thing. I've had to fire my crew twice already. You know what
1: I mean? In clean house, Um, because it's just like it matters who you put around you, and it matters, um, you know, who's representing you. I, got, I tell my band all the time, I go, the decisions you make tonight at this show, Connor Smith makes those decisions. And that's how the story gets retold. And so putting the right people around me, people that I trust, people that are going to do their great job, and people that when I stand on a stage, I don't have to think about anything other than giving the crowd the best night of their lives because I know they're going to do their jobs. Um, I got two guys on the road with me helping that are high school best friends. Um, you know, know me from the start and just, you will know what my desires are and my intentions and going to hold me to that um and then just like leaning on the people that I love my family's in town and 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 I'm able to go over there on sunday nights for dinner and um and then just make it I'm a, I'm an introvert at heart I I get refilled you know by myself and so making sure that I'm not uh, running myself ragged and and just continuing to go refill with the lord and um, just try to stay, you know, who I know I'm supposed
0: to be. What's a What's a day on the road like for you? what's your What's your daily routine?
1: See, I think that's the problem is that every day's so different. You know, I'm
0: still in the van right now, so we uh,
1: we did it. We went on tour with Thomas Rhett over the summer, and you know had the bus, and then we're doing a uh, little headlining run about 15 shows, and so we're back in the van. And you know, some sometimes you're driving 11 hours through the night. Sometimes you're waking up at 5 a.m. to Go the next day, and so it's like you get one. You know, I'll, I'll go show time, and I realize I hadn't eaten all day, and uh, didn't work out, and feel like crap, and you know, been you know dipping zen all day long, and between a a monster and zen, that's all I've eaten the whole day or had in my mouth. So, it's just like that's one of the things that I'm trying to figure out is that routine of um, just staying, you know, staying consistent to where my body feels good. I can, you know, my voice stays healthy. That's one of the things man i'm I'm not good about warming up and and shutting it down and and so um I'll try to get a work out whenever we're in in uh these towns and and um and uh try to just stay consistent about uh you know waking up on a reasonable time, not trying to sleep all day and then shows don't start till about ten, so we're we'll going on stage about ten o'clock and it's been the first run at at kind of this headlining thing and it's been it's been really special to see. People showing up, I'm sure you know the first headlining run—that's a scary thing. Oh, absolutely. You're, I mean, it's 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 all do or die on you.
0: You're doing a lot of colleges. Yeah, well, pretty much. A lot yeah, of we're stuff. hitting all the college towns. So the, the tour is called "If I Went to College Tour." So I, I can tell that you're a very spiritual person. So you're you're surrounded by lots of indulgences in this business, <laughs> man. How do you cope with all that?
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, go back to kind of the feeling you you feel on a stage. There's a power, and there's a level of power that's given to you as an artist and I make the joke, I go, it's wild what, what happens in a girl's brain when you stand on an elevated surface with a microphone, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, um, and, uh, and, uh,
0: and I think, I think I just recognize, uh, that would be a great t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. Uh, no, but, uh,
1: <laughs> but I'm just like, I, I, I recognize that, uh, and I've always felt like there's a bigger purpose to all this thing. And and the, and I, I look at my story, man, I got so many moments. The Lord has been so specific of placing me in the perfect place at the perfect time with the perfect people. And he just has his hand on it. And so I just feel like he's been so faithful to me. I want to be faithful to him. Um, and I just like living in the peace of knowing that if I'm living the right way, that the Lord's going to provide when I'm stressed out because uh, he has every time. Um. But in the indulgence, that, I just look at the power, uh you got two options when you're given that power. You can use that power to chase chase highs and chase
0: girls and um it, I mean it, it truly is a wild thing what the way girls look at you. It's an amazing thing that happens when you have a record at the top of the charts. Totally. It's crazy. And it's, it's not normal. It's no, not it's the way it's, normal people live.
1: It's such an I, I don't it's it's so wild to kind of wrap your head around but I I just recognize for me like if I if I've got that power I want to use it to have meaningful conversations and really make an impact in people's life and be an example for you know the other people that are in this industry because we're all dealing with the same thing man every every artist no matter from me to Morgan Wallen we're all, we're all just you know insecure and trying to find our next hit you know and that's what I've learned that at every level you're never content you know there's never a point in your career where you where you're not where you know where you sold an amount of tickets so you're like man I'm good. You know what I mean? It's like we're all looking for our next hill. We're all looking for the next thing. And it's like, man, I just want to enjoy the ride. And uh so just do you be respected.
0: Do you, do you feel like uh, – do you want to build a legacy? Is it about leaving something behind?
1: I think so. I think it's about being respected.
0: Yeah. I think it's about being the type of,
1: type of man and, and type of person that people can look to and just say, man, I respect how he's done this. I, that's what Thomas red has been for me. You know, I – the conversations and the honesty I've had with him is he's shown me that it's possible to be a a good husband, a good father, just a good man and and do this thing and have a great career and put your heart into your career and put your heart into your art. Um, And so I think, I think I just want to, you know, when it's all said and done, when everything goes away, you know, whether I have zero hits or 50 one day, you know, people won't be buying tickets and uh, that's okay. And so I think it's just about, uh, you know, using 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 the platform I have to make an impact
0: where I can. Do you feel pulled to write more positive songs? Do you ever go to the dark side when you write?
1: Yeah, totally. I I, I think that's honest. Yeah. I mean the, the so the song that got me a record deal was a song I wrote by myself when I was eighteen called Backseat, and um, it was a song about it was a it was a guy it was a guy's perspective of losing your virginity um in an honest way of regret. And it was uh it was just a song that was real honest and vulnerable and and it said something and it mattered and it was uh it was a song that got me in my record deal because it it showed everything that I wanna be as a songwriter, which is just I wanna tell stories and I want it to impact people. And so I think, you know, country music's about, you know, heartbreak and love and everything in between and and that's what I'm alright, man. I, I just I'm gonna I'm a live my life, and um, and I want to write from an honest place of what I'm what I'm living through. And some days are are, are great, and some days, are, you know, feel like the world's crashing around me. And usually, those are the days that I get the best songs.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't. It's been a long time since I read it, but I read the Left Behind series uh, several years ago. Until until the characters got so convoluted, I just couldn't keep up with it anymore. How do you feel about where we're at i mean as a spiritual person in society how do you feel about where we're at? <laughs> yeah, um I mean, I got a lot of ideas,
1: totally I mean, I think uh it's a loaded question, but I think we need some hope right now, you know, I think that and i I think you're really starting to see it over the last month of just like um
0: people's eyes are being opened
1: people- people's eyes i mean it's dark.
0: There's there's a lot of darkness in the world. There's a lot of uh, demonic activity totally. taking place. There's a lot of things that are going on that are really uh, spiritually uh, demonic.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> demonic's like the only word, and, yeah. and I think that uh, I'm a big believer. in, you know, it, it says in the word, it says, you know, in, in um, Galatians or Ephesians six, it says we do not fight against flesh and blood we fight against spirit you know spirits of the principalities and um and i think that's just the truth i mean i feel it when you walk into you know some of the venues we'll play or whatever like there's just a darkness there and there's a darkness over um just this country as a whole and it it breaks my heart but i think in darkness what i always you know believe and say is that in the darkest rooms you have the opportunity to be the brightest light um and it's harder but uh Man, I just think people need hope, and I I think that's the beauty of what we get to do because we go get to stand on these stages and give people, you know, a a night where they can forget about everything, and we can just, like, have, you know, give them joy and and give them a break, and that's what I love about getting to sing country music, man. Like, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, strong in my faith and a strong believer that Jesus was who he said he was, but I'm called to write country songs. I'm called to sing country songs, and that's what I'm going to do because um, that matters to me, man, that, you know,
0: how do you how do you structure your show? Do you do you present it a little bit on the praise and worship side? Do you bring your politics or your religion know, into your man. performances?
1: No, no, it's all it's just a it's just country music, and um, I think I, that's what I love about country music too is that it's very accepting. To and I feel like as country fans I have some core values, and part yeah. of that's in the Lord, and uh, for the most part, and so uh, there's nothing that's as different. It's just. Um, like I said, I want my songs to say something, you know, whether it's Creek Will Rise, which is you know, a song about skinny dipping or, you know, my first single learned from it, which was, you know, just a, a, a song that was about mistakes you make. But then that bridge said it ain't about the mistakes you make, it's the mistakes that make you. And we're all just living life. We're all trying to figure this thing out. And my job every time I perform is to give people a party. And I'm gonna get, I'm gonna entertain them with every ounce of energy I have for an hour and a half, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have them leaving like, you know, damn. We when Connor Smith comes into town, we need to go to that show, and so um I don't know. I just it, it's, it's more about just how I how I live on you
0: know off stage. And I hope that's the same person. But That's awesome, man. I'm very you're you're pretty cool, man. Thank you, man. It's pretty pretty awesome to hear that kind of stuff. Hey, appreciate I appreciate the conversation. You know. Um, It seems like, and and I was talking with Ernest a while back about this, you know, the, the language that you've grown up with as a songwriter, as far as the vocabulary and the words that are in society, there's a lot of language out there now that wasn't part of our vocabulary when I came up. What you mean? Like, uh, like cell phones, like woke, like, <laughs> like, like different terminologies. Uh, there's so much stuff in the vernacular of our society now that was not even part of conversation. Yeah. You know, 20 years ago. Not really. How do you do? You weave some of that stuff into your in your songs? Do you make a conscious effort of it? Do you, have you thought about it at all? Sometimes. I mean, I, uh, it's
1: funny you say that. I, I recently. Um, uh, it was a Kelsey Balrini song she just put out where she used the word Instagram in it <laughs> and it was the first time I had heard Instagram used in a song that didn't sound cheesy Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of how vocabulary works where like you'll put kind of new song- words in there and they just sound cheesy and then at some point it becomes so in our vocabulary that it just works um, and so there's definitely not a conscious effort uh, on, on my part but I'm also 22 and, and that's kind of the beauty of starting early and going you know th- on the, if I went to college toward all these college bars and, and towns is that I get to go party with, with these people as one of them. You know, I'd be a senior in college if, if I had gone. All my boys are still up at UTK in Knoxville. Um, and so uh, I tr- I try to just re- write relatable songs to kind of where I'm at in life. You know, what I did with my first EP is I, I really wrote towards that innocence and that you know that college theme and then we put out Creek Will Rise as kind of the start of the next chapter because I think everything's maturing a little bit so we got you know this song and then two more lined up that uh we really wanted to turn the page on on kind of growing up and want my fan base to kind of you know get to grow up with me a little bit
0: yeah I think that's important man being and being conscious and cognizant of that at your age is pretty freaking amazing I mean I, I it's very amazing compared to a lot of people that i talk to. You seem very well-grounded and very self-aware.
1: Thank you, man. Well, like I said, man, I I just, growing up in Nashville, I've been able to be around it, and I've been able to see the good and the bad, and I've had incredible, incredible uh, mentors that have just spoken truth into me, and I've just been able to see it all and get to see, you know, kind of how I want to do this, and I make a lot of mistakes, and uh, there's... And we all do, man. Yeah, yeah, I got, uh, you know... Like I said, we've had to fire people, and I've gotten in trouble, and I've, you know, all these things, but uh, I just, I try to be conscious of like, all right, I'm looking at now, and I'm looking at the next song, but also, where do I want to be in 10 years, and how am I going to get to headline in Bridgestone Arena in five years, you know what I mean? Um, and so, just
0: having the right team around me is the, the biggest part of that. That's a big part of it, you know, I, I made a lot of... St- mistakes early on man not realizing the ramifications of that and consistency and getting a good team early on and being able to hold them together for a lengthy period of time can be very very rewarding if you're able to navigate that that water like that like a a long-term publicist and a long-term management company and and being able to stay with a label for a long time I mean those those things are more relevant than you realize they are and their their cohesiveness and the way that they work together uh yeah. For the longevity of your career is invaluable,
1: well, it's just like our job is to create and to be pre- entertainers and to take care of uh, you know our art and if we don't have the people around us that allow us the liberty to do that, and we gotta you know we don't we're not able just to like sit back and trust that they're doing what they need to do man it's it's that's living hell um here's a question for you when you because. The landscape of what it means to be an artist especially a new artist has just changed even in the last five years oh yeah drastically but do you look at the kind of the new weight that are put on or expectations that are put on uh kind of
0: new artists with just social media and tiktok and
1: like, do you, do you look at that and just go, thank God I, I wasn't coming up at that time?
0: I just think it's it's a lot harder uh, to become a mainstream successful artist with radio now than it used to be. 100%. Um, and, and there are a lot of other tools. There are ways to reach your audience. But uh, I just think uh, the... The label scenario has changed. Distribution and album sales have changed. You don't have the revenue stream that you used to have. Uh, You know, the physical goods are are almost non-existent now. Everything's on a streaming platform. It's downloaded, all that stuff. Uh, It's just, you know, there used to be a structure to it. There's a formula before. You release a single. You work it, it goes up the charts, you take it as far as you can go, you give it a burn-off period, you release another single. You get to feel the experience with your audience when it's going. Nowadays, you know, I I dropped, I had a 30th anniversary record and we dropped three albums in one year and we just threw stuff out every few weeks. You know, even if something does have the ability to impact, you don't feel it the same way. It's not the same scenario. And there's so much pressure to do all the extracurricular stuff. It's not just about writing and recording a great song. You've got to be a social media star. You've got to do all your TikTok stuff every day. You've got got this whole list of stuff that you've got to do all the time. I I, I just and 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 really and truly, when when I was when I broke, man, I was by the time I got to the end of the '90s, man, I'd had a body of work, man. We were getting four singles a year. I mean, hundred percent. And and so you're able to build a catalog up that you can work off the rest of your life. Yeah. Nowadays, it might take a year. What, you, what a year! What a year on you know. a single, and and so really and truly, at the end of a ten-year period, if you're getting a single a year, do you really have a great body of work that you can tour off with the rest of your life? Yeah. What and, and if you don't have one or two of them that really hits hard, you might not even get five years. Totally. So the labels completely control the scenario now, and I hate that. It's 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 like it's so much less about the artist now than what it used to be. And, I, and I, I think it should all, the, back in the day, if you think about the 90s, you know, and I know you weren't even born yet, <laughs> but I mean, when guys like me, I came out, and Chestnut, and, and Joe Diffie, and Tracy Bird, and John, and John Anderson had his research, everybody had their own spot, man, and there was enough to go around for everybody, even yeah. songwriters were getting album cuts and oh, making totally. a great living off of it. The music industry, everybody was sharing in the wealth, everybody was getting a piece of the Pie. and there's not as much of that going on well, nowadays. on
1: that man I'll tell you my biggest dream when I look at what, what do I want to do in this town and it's like man what I care about is songwriters and I care about bringing equality back to songwriters in this town because songwriters are the heartbeat of this town and they are what this whole industry revolves around and so when I look at my career it's like goal number one is you know when I when I'm able to establish a successful career uh and it comes to getting out of that my first record deal, is when we re-sign, man, I'm going back to the label. when I'm saying we're going this many points and these go to the songwriters forever wrote every song that I cut. Whether that's, you know, twenty, twenty five, it's like whenever I, I cut a song, every songwriter gets a piece of that. And I th- I think in Nashville that'll elevate because here's what happens in that. It creates demand to where creates competition to where If a songwriter knows, Rhett, Rhett Aikens knows, that when Connor Smith cuts a song, whether it goes to radio or not, he has five points on that record because they're paying money. But all the money's going to the labels. Everybody yells at at Spotify and Apple Music and all this that they're not paying songwriters. They're paying the money. It's all just going to the record labels. So it's like we need to take that money, the ownership of the master's money, we need to be giving that to songwriters. So, you know, like I was saying about competition, when... Uh, when those things shift and i can start really you know staking points in in my masters on a record deal it's like when a songwriter knows that if they get a song to me they get five points versus you know then i get first i get first right of refusal on on the the best songs in nashville so i think it it would really raise i would hope and, and, and pray that it would really raise the standard for other artists to start doing that because i think that's how we get songwriters paid again because man there's money to be made, and there's money going out, and it needs to get in the songwriters' hands because they are the heartbeat of this town. And without, man, these songwriters that are the most brilliant people.
0: Oh, the, the last true American poets in this country.
1: They are the most brilliant people. they are. And I, I respect them so much, man. It, and it has been my, you want to talk about every, you know, great moment I've got to experience so far. The greatest moments for me is always when I got to walk into a room for the first time with the person that I studied since I was six years old and how they were writing songs, and we started writing songs together. And it's like, so when I look at, like, the bigger landscape of this town, man, I want to do things like that. I want to really kind of change the way deals are done and, and, and change the way that songwriters get paid and just little things like that, man, that I really think would matter
0: more than, you know, me worrying about how many radio hits I can get, you know. Well, it, it all fits together, I mean. As, does, you, yeah. as, as you look at the 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 picture of of what your career is man it's it's a tapestry of all these different things that are a a collage more or less of of all these pieces that are that are who you are as as a person as a human being as a business person and a spiritual person all it's it's a collection of all those things man that make up who you are and and at the end of your life you look back over it man it, it should say something about the character of who you are you hope so
1: but it's a daily decision, you know?
0: Just wake up every day. And yeah, and sometimes I don't make the best decision. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, man. I just... I mean, shoot, man. I mean... I, all of us. You, you, you got to admit, you get in this business because you have to have a little arrogance to do it. Oh, you, um, mean, to. you have to have a little cockiness. You got to
1: be cocky. Like, you you got to have that. You think you can do this, you have to believe to a certain degree, you're special.
0: Absolutely. You know? Without that, you'll never be successful. People will run all over you if you don't have that sense, that sense of, of uh, I hate to say the word entitlement, but I always believed I was destined. Yeah. I, I, I was, totally. I believed I was destined since I was a little child. I never, so, nobody ever deterred me from it. No, no matter what anybody said, I always believed
1: it. 100%. Yeah. I've never questioned anything.
0: Yep. I've always believed God's had his hand on me and, uh, since, since, since I was a small child, man. Oh, totally. Just part of it. 100%. So uh, where where do you feel like the next five years? Where do you where do you plan on going the next five years? Plan on headlining stuff? I mean, you, you still don't, you're not with a major yet, are you? I'm with Big Machine. You're big machine. Okay. So are you with that whole conglomerate over there with Craig and No, no, that's that's, that's big lab, you're, that's big lab. So borchetta has gone. Uh who's Borchetta's right?
1: still there? is still there? Yeah, I mean they they sold their company, but he's still running it. Gotcha. So yeah, we're signed over there. I mean, like I said, I got signed right out of high school, um, over there. And,
0: uh, man, oh, you just living off that Taylor Swift money is all you're doing? Hey, listen, man, <laughs> someone has to.
1: Someone has to. I wish I was. Um, but man, I'm just, um, I'm, d am just steadfast, dead set on getting a, my first, you know, song on radio going. So we've had two singles already, and 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 they haven't cared yet. But we got this new song going, "Creep Will Rise" that. Uh, radios reacting to in a way that i haven't seen yet so we're feeling good about that but go back to songwriters man i mean the truth is that we haven't had the radio hit but we've had streaming hits I like, got, you know first song went gold last week and uh i was from streaming and then uh a song called i hate alabama that was a real viral hit and so we have a fan base and it's been cool to get out there and, and see uh we all feel your pain with that too hey come on now
0: Except Lindsay right there. She <laughs> can't help it. she grew up in Alabama.
1: But uh we we'll, when we'll, we've been on these college tours, and man, it's it's just cool to see fans showing up and uh so it's just like, you know, keep keep going that. But you know, as a guy who loves songwriters and know that, that radio is how songwriters get paid, man, I gotta get I gotta get this music going on, on radio. So we're playing every radio show that they'll let us in the doors of. Um, and uh and so that's a big goal this year. And then I think, you know, five years just continuing to build. Uh, those bigger picture things of just you know all those little goals of you know direct supporting a tour and then headlining my own tour and uh,
0: just keep it going, man. Keep keep building on what we got. How much uh, how much time do you spend a week doing social media? Not much, not really. So you're you're really just focused on radio,
1: man. I I just I mean I I, I participate, but I just made a decision pretty early on that I said selling my soul on social media. I I would rather be I'd rather be a songwriter than do that. And so I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to do it in a way that... Because I'll be honest with you, man. I, I think uh, there's a lot of people, and sometimes it works for a little bit, but there's a lot of people that uh, sacrifice their brand for numbers on social media. Amen. And I think when you put that into a decade, I think I think you'll see how that turns out. And I'm worried about getting people at the doors of my shows, and um, that's it. And so... Uh, there's a, there's there's a role for social media to play, but when, when you're going to tell me that me spending a day doing TikToks is more important than me spending a day trying to write a great song, I'm just going to disagree with you. So my, my brother's my videographer and kind of my, my social, uh, visionary, as you say, did my music video, um, a few of my music videos. And, uh, and so with, he helps me out a little bit to, to where we can make good stuff and, and so I try to stay consistent, but man, I'm not I'm not I'm not begging for, for likes or nothing. And, and so I don't
0: really spend too much time thinking about it. That's good. You know, I, I have too many too many people wrapped up in all that stuff. I'm uh, I'm glad to know that there's somebody out there that ain't fallen prey to it. You, d- d- is your generation starting to turn off turn off of it from a little bit? Do you think people are waking up some or
1: no? I don't think they're there yet, but I, I think that uh I think there's a healthy way to do it. I think social media as a whole is just completely toxic. Absolutely. Um and I just think it's awful mentally. Like, you know the I and, just deleted TikTok cuz I just said I don't like I don't like I'm not a good per- I'm not a better person with this on my phone like I just waste
0: time and whatever so I deleted it for like six months. And- it shortens your attention span for sure. Oh, totally. I, you know, and that's that's one of the reasons that I started doing the podcast, uh, because I didn't want to do things that I wasn't comfortable with, the stupid things and all that silly crap. I would rather do something of substance and have a yeah, conversation totally. with somebody and feed it from another another direction than chase something that I'm not comfortable with, because it's just not that's not me.
1: Well, you look at what we are talking about. It's like... Those Christopherson songs, those Dean Dillon songs, those songs aren't going to go viral on TikTok. Shit, no. You know what I mean? And it's like I would rather spend a day trying to be a better songwriter and write and make great art, than worry about what fifteen seconds I could write that's hooky enough, you know, to get a, a million million views. And I've just made the decision that, you know, in the long term, like, I would I would rather uh, I would rather not. Um, spend my life worrying about how many views I got on TikTok that day, uh, yeah. and I don't
0: hold anything against anybody that does. No, like, and, and, and not resident. at all. Like a lot I mean, of it's, and, it's and a tool. It's, it's a it's an art too.
1: Like yeah. there are people that are great at that, and yeah. there are people making a living off that. And like great, great to you. Um, like participating with a phone camera like that is like a whole other art and talent in and of itself that that some people have, some people don't. Like I said, the same way that I I tried to get great at guitar and just didn't because i wanted to write songs that's just kind of how i view social media
0: a little bit what's your uh, what's your off stage outlets man you hunter you fish what you do
1: yeah i just started i started hunting probably four years ago i never i didn't grow up hunting and and, uh and so just recently got into it and my family's got got some property out in leavers tennessee yeah and so i'll go out there and hunt when i can i mean i'm not not home much um and so uh that's a big thing. Just just being alone, being in the woods, being by a fire, man, that that's kinda where I, I find my peace. So anytime that I can. I'll try to
0: go get out in the woods and just hear some hear some stillness and uh get to relax for a little bit. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, I, I still try to do it too. We got a group of us. We try to kayak. We haven't been kayaking in a while. We need to get our kayak yeah, shit back kayak together, man. Fish, man. <laughs> well, you want to, I mean, next time I'm in
1: town, I'm just gonna drive out here and sit by your pond out there, and that'll yeah. be my
0: relaxing. They're they're working on they're dressing the pond. I had a bunch of rock and stuff brought in. I'm getting oh, really? ready to restock everything. Okay. I had I like the last two years, man, I'd stocked this thing up when we built our house back in 07. And I built that big pond and I had loaded it up with with channel cat. Man, I had channel cat all over the place. About two years ago, they started disappearing. I just because really? I, I had a big tub of dog food, I'd go down there and throw dog food out and they'd just kind of boil it up, man. I had catfish all over the place. And they, all of a sudden my catfish were gone. I couldn't figure out what it was. I got a freshwater otter that got in my pond. Jeez. And I started looking up otters. They they their primary source of food, they love catfish. Really? And one otter will eat five to seven pounds of fish a day. A day. It destroyed my entire population. It ate all my Did you of know it. that thing was in there? And not till after they were all gone. Oh, my Yeah, gosh. so I'm fixing, I've got tons of sunfish, so uh, as soon as they get done doing the stuff down there, I'm fixing to load it up at a largemouth. I'm fixing That's to crazy. That sucker up. That way I can I, I'm gonna go out there and catch me some bass.
1: How big is that pond, about an acre? acre?
0: Yeah, maybe a little acre, an acre and a half. It's a yeah. pretty good size. And I've got, I, I had it built when I, I had two, so it I think it goes down to like 15 foot down at the dam, and then I had two big tanks dug in that go down deeper than 20 foot, that way yeah. I can set net. Done in there, so well. Hey, just let me know. Yeah, it's all good. Just man. let me know when we those things tur- are in there. There's times I get up in the morning, man. I can see uh, there'll be 20 turkey in the front yard. There'll be deer all over the front yard, man. I got binoculars sitting right there by the front window. I come out here and watch the animals in the morning.
1: So, what's your like? What's your favorite thing? Is it now? Is it? Is it still playing those shows? Is it? Like, oh, I'm a
0: workaholic, man. Totally, I, I, I really am. I, uh, I, I. I my whole world revolves around touring. I mean, really? I, I work all the time. I block time for the family. I love to travel. We're taking the family to Italy in the summer. Uh, I, like, I like going overseas. I usually take a couple of hunting trips a year. Yep. I like to bird hunt. I like the deer hunt. How many shows do you play this like, a year? We'll probably do about 85. Wow. So, yeah. That's, that's, last year we did like 95, and that wow. was more than I've done in a long time. The first year I was on the road, I did 289 shows. Wow. Yeah, I don't... That's like insane. I never want to do anything. I, I don't want... That's just... But all I wanted to do when I started was, oh, I just wanted to sing. I didn't oh, really? care. Just, just book it. I'll stay on the bus. I lived on the bus. I mean, I don't think I got off the bus that first year. So
1: were you a... Was did you move up here? Like, were you already writing
0: before you moved moved up? To oh man, dude! I wrote my first song when I was four. Okay, so you yeah. Were so I mean, same thing. I was I grew up watching Glen Campbell on TV and listening to Charlie Pride and Kenny Rogers. So was I, was, I was I was ate up with country music from birth. Yeah. My mother told me that when uh, when she was pregnant with me, she listened to Loretta Lynn all the time, she was very happy. Things were good in the marriage and everything. And so, if I would have been born a girl, she was going to name me Loretta Lynn. Oh, yeah. So, so I was I was stuck with it from birth, <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally. Just
0: like you, man. It's always been that totally. thing. It's always been there in my it's soul. Just, I've just had it since I came into the world, man. Always understood structure and songs, and exactly, and and just a pre. I mean, bef- I mean, I remember being seven or eight years old and listening to heartbreak songs and crying because I oh, just got wrapped wow. up in the emotion. Didn't understand about love and heartbreak or any of that, but I understood the emotion of it, and it always mesmerized me. I was wow. always just 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 consumed with it. It's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And there's not a lot of people that feel that way. I mean, that's that's uh, uh, that's when God touches you. I, I really well, that's the that.
1: that's the difference. I think a lot of times is there's a lot of uh, a lot of people who move up here to you know because they want the glory of standing on a stage yeah. or the fame or whatever. It's like, man, I just if I got dropped from my record label, if I got banned from Nashville if, in country music, I would still have to write songs. I understand. Like it's just a part of who I am and how I process the world is is in writing songs. And so I mean if I'm if I'm gonna, you know, be that addicted to it, I might as well try to make money from it.
0: Yeah, and it, it's it's a great blessing. And and to Absolutely. be able to really uh touch people with words and, and be able to connect with people on that level is a very special thing. It's a true American art form, man. I don't you know there's nothing else like it. It's I very mean, satisfying. Just trying to keep it alive. Well, brother it's been a pleasure visiting hey, thanks you thanks for having me man thank you so much man uh, I, much respect man thank you man you very too very nice thanks. getting to know you uh, where's uh, all your socials where can people find yeah, you
1: Connor Smith Music for pretty much everything it's C-O-N-N-E-R on Connor
0: and uh, yeah Music.com for all the tour days this year have a good tour out there this summer man look forward to maybe catching up again next year and kind of see where you're at I love that man thank you man Connor Smith <laughs>